the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. Thank you for tuning in to 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Bria Katz and I am 12 years old and I'm your host for today. Coming up on the Hi Kids today, I have all the amazing and fun things planned for you. To start off the show, I'll be interviewing Jacqueline Modica. She's a forecaster from the South African Weather Service. So keep listening to 101.9 Hi FM. Get ready for a very exciting show on Hi Kids today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Bria Katz and I'm 12 years old. I have Jacqueline Modica in studio with me. So send your questions to 34519 or telegram to 061-895-1019. Before we start with the questions for the Psalm quiz, before we start with the questions, here's the Psalm quiz quest- question that is a tongue twister in itself. How many quest- how many chapters, wow, I'm really getting muddled up here. How many chapters are there in the book of Psalms? Enter now and you could win cool prizes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's so nice to have you in studio with us. In studio with us. I can't wait to find out more about what you are. So can you tell us what are you? Well, I'm a meteorologist, which is a weather forecaster. What does meteorologist mean? Meteorology is basically the science of the weather. So if you study meteorology, it's an atmospheric science and you're basically studying the science of the weather. So when you say you're studying the science of the weather, do you study, uh, do you study what's going to happen with the weather? I mean, does that mean the winds, the temperature, or does it mean natural disasters? It actually means everything. So basically when you study the weather, you need to understand what is the science that takes place, what happens um, in the different type of weather systems that we get, and then how does it impact uh, the people around you. So which of those type of systems can lead to disasters. So there's various disasters um, that can take place. And then, yeah, and then what I do is to predict the weather. So that is my job. My job is to understand what is happening in the weather and then to predict the weather. Um, and so I'm a medium-term forecaster. So I predict the weather for up to seven days. Oh, wow. And you, you were saying something about disasters. So can you tell us what is classified as a disaster? Well, a disaster takes place when something happens that the people or the place or the area, it cannot cope with whatever happens, and then it gets classified as a disaster. So let me make an example. If you can have heavy rain, um, say, over an urban area, so the infrastructure is good, the drainage system is good, and, and everything is good, and it can basically handle uh, the heavy rain because there's ample runoff and so on. That would not necessarily be a disaster. 
But if a similar system happens over an informal settlement, whereby the housing is not very good, there's virtually no draining and stuff like that, so these people are vulnerable. And then when such a, 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 a something occur over such an area, that could possibly lead to a disaster because it could potentially um, leave people homeless, it could destroy their homes, it could lead to flooding, destroy their properties, and at times it could also lead to um, loss of life, and that could potentially then be a disaster. So however a place is uh, equipped to cope with whatever weather phenomena or system, then it will determine if it will be a disaster or not. So what you're saying is... To be classified as a disaster, it depends on the resources that a, a country or city or place has. So if they don't have good resources and infrastructures, then it could be a disaster. But if they do, then it's barely going to pass as anything. Yes, if they can cope with what happens, then it will not be classified as a disaster. And how often do disasters happen in Africa? Well, I cannot speak on disasters in Africa as a whole because that is something completely different from what I do. But it depends on season to season. So when the rainfall seasons come, we usually have a problem when it comes to flooding um, in African countries, especially over the eastern countries, like places like Mozambique, we know, has been um, uh, affected by things like tropical cyclones. So this is large-scale weather systems that cause destruction of a huge area within a country, and that is definitely a disaster. And then we've got uh, North Africa, we can have torrential rain. So this is where a single storm can produce more than 50 millimeters of rain within uh, 24 hours. And because the infrastructure is not of such that they can cope with it, that could potentially also lead to disasters. So there are various types of weather phenomena that could lead to disaster. That's so interesting. So what you, so rain is can be a cause of a disaster? Yes, it could be a cause of disaster, and so can wind, because you know that tornadoes, tornadic activity is very dangerous. So that could also lead to a disaster um, if, if houses and stuff get destroyed. So if there's a tornado that takes place like in the middle of nowhere and there is no infrastructure or it is not even a farmland where we say it can cause damage to crops, it couldn't be a disaster. But if it happens in a busy town or in a city where there's people and it can destroy homes and it can destroy cars and it can hurt people, then that would be a disaster. So it depends location-wise. It's so interesting because I always thought that a disaster had to be a tsunami or a hurricane or tornado, all these very dangerous things. But you just taught me that a simple rain could be a disaster. Yes, rain could be a disaster, even if it is not on a large scale like a tsunami. Well, those are the obvious ones. Those are the natural disasters that could potentially kill thousands of people and infrastructure in one go. But then other things as well could lead to disaster. Also, people who live on a riverbank are definitely at a higher risk because if it rains and the river gets higher and higher and higher, then it will overflow onto the people who are living on the riverbanks, which can be very dangerous for them. Yes, that is that is an, an excellent example because um, we've got what we call periodic rivers as well, which means if it's not raining and it is dry, it looks just like a dry piece of land. But then when the season changes and the weather se- and the rainfall season sets in, and if it starts raining then, then that could potentially be a disaster if people go and uh, set up like informal settlements in those riverbanks. Because then they can get washed away with that rain when the river fills up, you see. So those are 
the type of things that the South African Weather Service works um, hand in hand with the disaster management uh, of South Africa to evacuate people. And therefore, it's, it becomes very important that we give accurate weather forecasts and we give them timelessly. So like I told you that I do weather forecasts for up to seven days. So I potentially have a seven-day lead time in knowing what possible weather could happen and could be affecting people. And so within five days, I would have a very good idea if this would be severe weather or not. And should it be severe weather, we then start communicating with disaster management authorities because the weather service cannot evict anybody or tell anybody to leave, but that is the job for the disaster management. So we work in close partnership with them, and then we let them know which will be the communities that is vulnerable, what is the weather system that we're expecting, and then they will put some uh, processes and actions in place to get people to safety, to evacuate people, and to try and avoid uh, people dying due to weather-related uh, activities or, or accidents or stuff like that. It's also very important to know that you can't necessarily do everything. So what you're saying is work hand-in-hand with the disaster services. So you can't do things that they can, but you can pass on the information to them so that they can do their job. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, that you understand it perfectly. My job is to give information that influence decision making. So when you have better information, you make better decisions. And the better decisions you make, the better is the chances that you safeguard your life and you safeguard your property. So that is basically what we do. We want to give you that information to empower you to take the correct decisions in time. And how do forecasters predict the weather? It's a very long process, <laughs> but I'm going to try and really summarize, summarize it. it. So forecasting, it starts first with data. We work with what we call data. So data is basically the collection. I need information to be able to do my job. So for that, we've got a data collecting network or an observation network. So this is instrumentation. So our instruments we, um, measures the five different weather parameters. So we've got temperature. We've got rainfall, if any. Then we've got wind speed and direction. Then we've got humidity. And then we measure air pressure. So these are the five weather phenomena, uh, parameters that makes up the weather. So we need these in a three-dimensional plane. So we've got what we've called station observation, which is instruments that is at different locations, various places over South Africa. But then we also have got upper air Information. So the very five weather uh, parameters, we collect them with upper air data. So upper air, we collect them in two ways. Number one, we launch an upper air balloon, a very big balloon. You fill it up with about 1.2 kilometers, I mean Whoa. kilograms of, of, of hydrogen gas. And then you attach a small device called a radio sonde. So this has got sensors to it. And as it goes up, every minute it sends down a pulse, a reading with these five parameters. What is happening in the atmosphere as you go higher up? So that is what we call upper air observation. But like a hot air balloon? Uh, but it's not, bigger. yeah, kind, no, not, 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 not as big as a hot air balloon. <laughs> but oh, it's, 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 it's really big though. It's, yes. it's, it's a big balloon. And so we launch this about twice a day. In different places so that we can have a profile of what is happening high up in the atmosphere as well. And then another way we get that information is that we will attach this very device on an aeroplane. And then as the aeroplane would take off when it is in flight and when it lands, it also gives us the very same information. So that is upper air. And then we've got the remote sensing. This is where we are observing and monitoring the weather 
via satellite technology. So the satellite, Meteor said second generation, that one is a meteorology satellite. It only focuses on the cloud. So we want to see where is the cloud, the clouds that is thunderstorms, the clouds that brings general rain, the clouds that is associated with cold front systems and how its movement goes. So we are constantly having the atmosphere under watch. So this is the data. Then this data get put in what we call a numerical prediction model. So prediction model is made out of a whole lot of equations, some of it science, some of it maths, science so that we understand the changes that is taking place in the atmosphere, and mathematical so that we can predict or calculate the changes to come, meaning how to forecast the weather. And so those are the tools that are forecast the need to be able to understand um, what the weather is going to be. That sounds very interesting. I didn't realize it was such a long process. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, and that's the short version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you you mentioned the word atmosphere. Can you just explain to me what that means? Well, in the atmosphere, weather takes place up until the tropopause. So in the first half of the atmosphere. So in the tropopause, up to the tropopause is when temperature decreases with height. And as soon as temperatures start increasing with height, when you go to the higher level of the atmosphere, then it doesn't support development. So weather don't take place beyond that. So my area of focus is from the surface up until the tropopause. Um, yeah, so there's a whole lot of other science involved when it comes to the development of a cloud and so forth and why it is not possible for any cloud growth outside of the tropopause because then temperatures Start increasing with height again And when temperatures start increasing with height It means it opposes cloud development So there's no weather that can take place So um, uh, we learned this in natural science I think um, the atmosphere is a layer of gases surrounding Earth, am I right? Yes, that's, so that's correct. That's the definition of an atmosphere. That is it. And so the gas that we are interested in, it's water vapor. Because if you know the three phases of water, vapor is one of it. And so that is how it is present in the atmosphere. And that is how it presents itself in the weather. It's either gas and then it is clear skies. So no cloud, no rain and so on. Or when condensation takes place, cloud will start developing and then probably rain. And then it is a liquid. And if it's really cold, it will be a solid. Then it will be ice, either hail or snow. So that gas in the atmosphere, water vapor is of utmost important to me. That is very interesting. And I can't wait to continue talking about this after the song break. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is Hi Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Berea Cat and I'm 12 years old. So before the song, we were talking about prediction and you gave me a long summary, which I just made, made me realize how long it actually takes to predict weather. Um, and I just wanted to know, in like with regards to prediction, how far ahead of time you can predict? I can predict to up to seven days. So seven days gives you a fairly accurate um, indication of what to expect. Beyond that, we could have an additional seven days, which makes it 14 days, but that would just be an average of what can be expected with no real detail. So it won't be, it won't be exactly accurate? No, it cannot be exactly accurate. So up to seven days, I can even calculate and predict what the temperature might be, say, if today is day one, which is Tuesday, then up until next week, Monday. But beyond that, I cannot be able to predict even the temperature or so on. But I can have a general idea of the weather system that might be in effect. That's very interesting. 
so when you look, let's say, on your phone, you want to see for 14 days' time what the weather's going to be. You're not going to get an exact temperature, but you can get a rough idea. May, I don't know, maybe you want to plan out your day, see what you can do that day. You know, if it's rainy, you can't go branching. If it's very hot, you probably also can't go branching. But anyways, that was just my example. So you want to plan out your day. If you're having a party, that's... Yeah, that's 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 basically what you can get beyond that. It's like, what is the chances of it possibly raining on that day or not? But the most accurate would be up until three days, and then um, a good accuracy would be up to seven days. And then after seven days, for the next seven days, it will just be an average of what is most likely to happen. It's a very interesting. And I just saw over here... Um, there's a message from one of our listeners and it says, what is the difference between a forecaster and a meteorologist? Well, a forecaster is a meteorologist, but meteorologists can also be uh, doing different things like maybe be a meteorological researcher. And the researchers are the ones that does all the difficult work, I think, because they design, <laughs> they create, they improve the numerical prediction models, which I use to be able to predict the forecast. So the better they do their job, the better I get to do my job. And the person who speaks on TV or on the radio and predicts the weather, are they people who actually predict it or are they just speaking? Well, they are presenters. So we've got different clients, of which SABC is one. So basically, we will be doing the forecast, and then we will give it to whoever, maybe SABC and so on. And then they will put their graphics. And if you're presenting, you're fluent in whichever language you speak, and you can point very well, you go for an audition, and you get to read my work to South Africa. Very interesting. And what is the SABC, I think you said? The SABC, um, it's the South African Broadcasting Corporation, I think. Yes, that is on the news channel, SABC 1, 2, and 3. So they are making use of the South African weather service products. So even when you watch the news at the end of the news, you'll always see the logo that this information is being supplied by the South African weather service. And do people ever phone you to find out about disasters that happened or are going to happen to put on the radio to just know for themselves? Yes, they do. They call into the office all the time. Everybody wants to know what is going to happen in the weather. They want to plan their day. And, and you know, so people can call in, even the media, they call in different radio stations also call in if the, if something is about to happen or we have put out a media release on what is supposed to be expected and if they want more detail then they will phone the forecasters in my office yes because they want to give it over to their listeners and they want it want to be interesting and detail orientated and can you tell us what type of personalities is there a specific personality that a meteorologist should have or do um, you have just yeah well, it will be very difficult if you're shy because you get to speak to people all the time. So you must be somebody um, that is outgoing, that is comfortable being around people and speaking to people because uh, you basically, you're working for the people because that's who we give the information to. And then you must be also very analytical because you work with very things that we would say abstract. So you work with numbers and stuff like that all the time. So you have to look at the system 
got to be able to analyze it and then you've got to able um, to apply yourself to predict. So you have to have a measure of curiosity. You need to want to understand what is going to happen. Why is it going to happen? And if it's not going to happen, what would be the reason? So you, you also have, have that kind of personality that always questions things. So you have to always love knowledge because when you're a meteorologist, you always learn. Definitely. You learn every day and that's the best part of, I mean, one of the very good parts of your job, I'm sure. Yes, it is. It would be quite boring if it was the exact same thing every single day. It, that would be. So like the weather always changing, um, no two days in my office is the same. So that keeps it interesting. Sometimes it's very quiet and other times it's extremely busy. I think it's very, that's the best kind of job to always have changes, you know? Change, what do they say? Oh, yeah, change is as good as a holiday. I still don't think it's as good as a holiday, but it's close. It's close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing like a nice holiday on the beach. That's the best. The best. Oh, just dreaming about my December holidays. Call me for the weather, so don't go to Durban when it's raining. I won't, okay. I'll make sure to phone you and make sure that wherever I'm going is nice and hot. <laughs> Yes, you can. Thank you. And what type of companies do um, weather scientists or meteorologists work at? They work at different organizations because um, different type of companies needs weather information. So the South African Weather Service itself, it works very closely with the marine authorities because we do marine forecasting. So this is the weather out at sea along the coast, in the open ocean, if there's storms and so on. We work very close with the airport companies because we do aviation forecasting. So this is very detailed forecasting um, for flight purposes. And then we do the general forecasting. And with the general forecasting, we've got different clients. Um, we've got clients like in the insurance industry, for example. So uh, say, for example, when we are going to expect severe thunderstorms that can have hail and stuff like that, we will then communicate to the insurance companies and they will communicate to their clients so that people will know if there is a risk when they are driving on the road and so on or there's uh, some places fog is a very very big problem Definitely. because you cannot see when you drive and so we give them this information so that they can tell the clients which would be the roads that will be affected and so on and so on so we've got various various clients and then our biggest client would be the disaster management of South Africa so because um, their main responsibility is to keep the citizens safe so those, that is our biggest, biggest client. And then for them, we have to communicate when the weather is going to be severe and potentially threatening life and so on, so that they can put measures in place to save people's lives and, if possible, property. So let's say an airport who is very needs to know the weather, would they have their own weather scientists, forecasters, meteorologists? I mean, I know they're all very similar professions working for them? I suspect private companies do, but most of them would be a client of the national forecasting office or offices of the country, of which in South Africa, South African Weather Service. So they, it's very easier to get the information from us. So, yeah, but I think private private airlines, they might um, employ, uh, uh, employ their own forecasters if need be. I'm sure also space agents, space, I don't know what you call them, agencies, companies also need meteorologists. Or maybe I'm, not so much. I'm not, n- not so much. I think that is 
if ever there is weather in space, it's probably different kind of weather than the one that we study. Meteors, showers or something of that sort. But I, I doubt that it has to do with meteorology. So do you get, do you get rain in space? I don't know. I did not own like, things. So I, I just, don't think you said, so. You said something about so. yeah, no, the atmosphere. Like, it would be, oh, they, they 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 call them meteor showers. It's like when meteorites break up and they like plummet on a place. Uh, and they call that meteor I'm showers. I rain, but not rain showers. Yeah, I was like, I, I always was taught that cloud. And you know, the rain <laughs> no. has to go underneath the clouds yes. because the rain comes from the clouds. Yes, rain is that, clouds. That is correct. So they don't. They don't. I don't think. Space agencies will need the help of a forecaster. Because as you were explaining to me before, from the Earth until a certain point is what you deal with. And then above that is space, which is different weather, which is not what you deal with. That's correct. What's that that, that line called, that division? The tropopause. The tropopause. It's a very cool name. (laughs) Yeah, you must remember that one for science. It's like all of the... Um, all of the words in meteorology, you probably spend a year of your degree learning how to spell all these words. The, all the, that line, I forgot what it's called again, and just meteorologist. I mean, it took me like a minute to learn how to spell them again. And I always had to like copy the spelling, you know, because I couldn't, when I was making my questions, because I could not remember how to spell it. Yeah, I think a lot of people also say, um, like get confused on how to pronounce it. So, but you're doing very good in that department. Thank you. So just can you tell me exactly how to pronounce it? Meteorologist. Meteorologist. That's correct. So it's like meter and then urologist. Meteo. Meteo. So like a meter is something got to do with weather, right? Not necessarily, no. So why why is it called like meteo? Meteo. Oh my goodness. Yeah, English no is not my first language. And so I really don't know who chose this complicated name for meteorology, but that's what it is. I, I thought meter was like, I don't know, similar to thermometer. I don't know, something like that. And now I made the connection, but I thought it had something to do with temperature and weather. No, no, no. I don't think they're related at all. Anyway, it's still quite a hard word to pronounce and spell. And can you tell us what if someone wants to find out more about the weather, more about meteorology or, I don't know, what's going to happen in a few days' time, who can they contact? They can contact the South African Weather Service or they can go onto our Facebook page or they can even follow us on Twitter. So, yeah, we're on social media as well. And then we do have the direct line on the South African Weather Service. So all this information is on our on our website, www.weathersa.co.za. And there, if somebody's interested even in the career on our website, we do have got information on um, where do you study, what do you study, and how to apply even for a bursary if need be. So... Uh, could you get the forecast if you wanted to see the weather forecast? Can you go onto Google or YouTube and see them? You can you can get the weather forecast on our website, and you can get it also on the weather app. So the weather service do have um, a weather app that you can get our forecast from, or then watch the news on SABC. Awesome! Thank you so much for coming, teaching me more about this weather science, meteorology. It's very interesting. I really did not think that there was so much depth and complication and interestingness in it. So thank you. And thank you to my producer, Senna and DJ Flo, for pushing the big red buttons.
Join us tomorrow for another Chakid show, only on 101.9 Chai FM. This has been Chakids for Kids. Bye, kids.